problematic that is. Welcome to Problem Addict, a weekly podcast about notoriously problematic pop culture icons from our favorite reality TV shows past and present, music videos, movies, and everything in between. It's 12 noon and the church bells are ringing in my neighborhood, so note to self, start recording time later. <laughs> Welcome back, all my problematics, and we are going to talk about Top Chef Season 19, because 19? Season 19, because I don't know when Killer Camp from the CW is ever coming back, and um, yeah, so much for my Season 2. <laughs> so let's get into Top Chef Season 19. This season takes place in Houston. Houston, Texas, which is apparently the fourth largest city in the country. I had no idea. I've always heard that Houston is like super large and spread out and uh, always in threat of being flooded or being rained out. Um, yeah, that's really all I know about Houston. I know it's relatively diverse. People keep saying that. Um, I used to live in Texas and I didn't find it that diverse, but Texas is a huge state. It's huge. It once took me two days to drive across Texas two days to drive across texas there are countries that you like don't take two days to drive across but anyway um so top chef season 19 we start with the episode uh with intros of you know how they do this like every uh the the producer on the other side is probably like look mean look intimidating look stern um so you get these like menacing looking chefs staring down at the camera uh, come on you're a chef you're not that intimidating <laughs> Uh, I hate when they don't give names for the first few chefs because we don't know who you are yet unless you have like the closed captioning on and within like two minutes I had to turn less than two minutes I turned my closed captioning on because I don't know who these people are you're not giving me title cards or names so I want to get to know these chef testants so this is this is my hack turn your closed captioning on. <laughs> uh, so I know the first person to speak uh, her name is Evelyn and I assume she's going home first because that's how this show works. Along with RuPaul's Drag Race and or Survivor or any other competition reality show, the person that gets the first talking head is usually the winner or the loser. So Evelyn says that people think that it's glamorous being a chef. And this took me by surprise because I've never thought being a chef was glamorous. I never thought anything working in a restaurant was glamorous. I mean, am I wrong? Does I don't think there's any person that you would ask that's like, what's the most glamorous job out there? And you'd be like, chef, server, uh, expediter, uh, sommelier. I mean, I guess that could be considered glamorous because it doesn't really seem like that much work. Um, yeah, but there's nothing glamorous about being a chef. When I think glamour, I certainly don't picture anyone in clogs, uh, a chef jacket, uh, a chef hat. <laughs> no. Uh, chefs, cooks, sous chefs, uh, anyone in the kitchen line chefs are probably some of the hardest working people I've known. And none of them would say it's glamorous. Is any job really ever glamorous? Robert is the next person talking, and he's uh, making some pasta, it seems. He's using a pasta machine, I guess. Uh, and there's some statement about cooks being undervalued. Uh, he seems to have a little bit of like an insecurity problem, but maybe I'm just projecting. So Sarah's next, and then we get Leah, who spells her name Leah. That is going to be tricky for me. Um, both are women, <laughs> obviously. Uh, actually, I shouldn't take back. They should take that obviously out. Um, Sarah is next, and then there's Leah. 
and they're people with curly hair. <laughs> and there are no visible tattoos yet, I notice, as the chef testants um, get introduced. So yeah, and almost each one of them is introduced with their arms folded across their chests. I think it's the funniest thing because each season this happens and I just don't get it. Like, I just don't get it. And the introduction of the Padma Bang. Yeah, she's got bangs. This She's worn this wig before, I'm pretty sure. So we've got 15 of the country's most talented chef testants. And like I said, Houston is quite diverse. And I feel like Bravo is trying to make it... Bravo's really trying to reinforce this down our throats. Um, it could... Houston, the city itself, might be very diverse, but the state is... Uh, a, a trash dumpster fire, kind of? Especially with all the horrible, horrible human rights uh, violations that Texas is trying to impress upon its people. Is that the word, impress, when you take laws and just make people do them like the British did back in the American Revolution? Impressment? Yeah, I think it's impressment. Um, but you're basically taking human rights away from Americans, which... Anyway, um, no, not anyway. That's that's problematic. I don't think they should have filmed in Houston. And yes, I understand that all this was in uh, production before any of the anti-abortion laws got passed or um, trans lives uh, got or the suicide hotline got taken off of the Department of State website. It's it's just a mess, and it's just so sad. Like I said, uh, Houston is apparently the fourth largest city in the U.S. I've only been to Austin. I used to live outside of Killeen, Texas when my dad was stationed in Fort Hood. And a uh, quick tangent, the first time I ever visited San Francisco, I remember either the flight attendant or the pilot, co-pilot, whatever, the person making the announcements on the plane. Uh, I think it was a blue flight from JFK to SFO. They said, welcome to the fifth largest city in California. And I remember thinking, the fifth largest city? There's Los Angeles and then there's San Francisco, right? But apparently... I'm such an East Coast boy. Uh, apparently, there are lots of cities in California that are bigger than San Francisco. San Francisco is quite small. I don't. I, San Francisco has like less than half a million people. I'm pretty sure, I'm losing people every day because it's so expensive to live there. Um, like San Jose, believe it or not, has more people, has more population. People, like, yeah, population has a larger population than uh, San Francisco. Blows my mind. Um, Santa Cruz actually, I think, might have more people. But it was just surprising thinking that, oh, I'm like this cosmop cosmopolitan, like urban New Yorker visiting San Francisco, thinking it's the uh, third, fourth largest city in the country. And it's not. It's it's way down there. <laughs> so we get to see Don Burrell, one of my favorite chefs of all time. She's up there with uh, Chef Nina Compton from the New Orleans season. She's there for a challenge, looks like. And again, this season, a Top Chef All-Star guest judge, along with a national or local culinary icon let's leave the qualitative attributes out of this and just call them all culinary icons uh, because i'm sure we're bound to have like a local barbecue guy or like a beef brisket cornbread something typically texan chili like a like a chili frito pie like expert but he's gonna be like a local guy not a national guy but let's just call them all cooking icons that's that seems fair. Uh, and didn't they do this or have more than one Texas season already? I feel like there was like an entire season dedicated to barbecue or maybe that was Tex Kentucky? Louisville? 
No, they've definitely done Texas before. So I wish they hadn't done Texas again. Anyway. Um, but hey, as we've seen, this show thrives in mess and scandal and awarding bad people the Top Chef Prize, so that's not surprising. Very little Gale in this first episode, I noticed. Very little Gale. We get Padma going over the prizes for the winner, and of course, this, once again, it's the Food & Wine um, feature, a feature in Food & Wine magazine, an appearance at the Food & Wine Classic. I could recite these off the top of my head, like they're like committed to heart because these prizes never change. Uh, an appearance at the Food & Wine Classic in Aspen, um, unlike the last Top Chef winner who was banned from the Top Chef uh, Food & Wine a festival in Aspen, and uh, $250,000 furnished by San Pellegrino. It's a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah, that's... Hmm. So I'm going through a kitchen renovation with my husband. We just started, and I'm so jealous about this large laboratory kitchen set that they're using for the show. It's so big. It's it seems even bigger than last year's. And last year they like set apart like everyone was socially distanced because of COVID. Was that last year? Yeah, I guess it was last year. Or they were also in Portland and had lots of space, I guess. Um, but yeah, this like kitchen renovation is going to be the end of me because I want counter space, storage space, a tall pantry, uh, and we want to keep our dishwasher and our refrigerator but we want more space and it's it's tight in a New York City kitchen. It's, it's, <laughs> help. <laughs> um, all right, where were we? <laughs> uh, the first person with a name card is Stephanie Miller. She's the chef owner of Butterhorn in Bismarck, North Dakota. I don't think we've ever had a chef from North Dakota on the show and uh, we'll see what she's, she brings. Uh, and it looks like Padma is in a denim dress how appropriate it's texas but luckily she's not accessorized like an american flag like i feel she wore a lot of red white and blue last year in portland but not this year uh, dawn welcomes them to houston her hometown and that every culture is represented here and we see restaurant signs and i notice brennan's restaurant which i know is a new orleans landmark but i'm not sure if they're related like, is it the same restaurant in Houston that's in New Orleans? Or are those two different restaurants both called Brennan's? Hmm. Uh, if you know, let me know, please. I'd love to find out. I guess I could Google it, but I'm just kind of lazy. If you are local to Houston, please let me know in my Instagram DMs. Uh, that guy's Korean. <laughs> like, I did the whole Spider-Man meme. Like, I pointed at the guy. And I was like, that guy's Korean. I can just tell. And, like, that's not racist, I don't think. Because... Koreans can tell other Koreans. Just like most Chinese people I know can be like, that's a Chinese person. Or like every Japanese person is clued in like that person's Japanese. We just know. Um, Koreans can tell if I'm Korean and I'm not like 100% Korean. It fl he flashes on screen for a quick second then he just goes away. Evelyn gets a talking head. She's a Houston native. Uh, she's the one that was speaking at the beginning of the episode. And it's definitely advantage, she says. She's in blue and yellow, so it reminds me of the Ukrainian flag. And if you can, I suggest you donate. Uh, the lovely Hamlets, Tom and Kix, over at Dumpster Dive are raising money for the Ukraine and hosting a Bravo trivia night. I wish I had got this episode out earlier. The trivia night, I believe, is Sunday at 5 p.m., uh, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm pretty sure. So go check that out over on Instagram at the Dumpster Dive Pod. She looks 
she says. She looks like she says this looks like a team challenge uh, because she spies the knife block uh, that is positioned over by Dawn and Evelyn. Evelyn's quite observant. Good for her. Uh, the next person to speak is Ashley Shanti. She is the chef owner of Good Hot Fish, and that's in Asheville, North Carolina. She does a lot of Southern Appalachian cuisine, and that has to do with cooking out of sustenance, and it's true living off of the land. She gives me kind of uh, crunchy granola vibes so far, but we'll see. I People have said really nice things to me about Asheville. Like, it's like a cool place, but I don't know. I've never been to North Carolina. It just kind of scares me. We get uh, Padma asking about, um, we get Padma asking the mandatory who here has got a James Beard nomination question, and it looks like Ashley, Sarah raised their hands, but I don't think I see any men that raised their hands. Hmm. And then it turns out that eight of these chef testants have worked in Michelin-starred restaurants. And to me, after a quick count, it looks like at least six, maybe even seven of them are minorities. Or rather, people of the global majority. Because there are a lot more Asian people on this planet than white folks. So I'm going to stop using the term, or the word minority in this case, because they're not minorities. <laughs> they are... Let's not center white people. So next is um, Damar Brown. And I remember this guy because there was a contestant on... Michelle's bachelorette season named Damar, who was really attractive but got sent home way too quickly. So this Damar, uh, Damar Brown, is from Chicago. He's the chef de cuisine of a virtue restaurant, and he wants to elevate collard greens. My grandma Virginia used to make me uh, eat collard greens as a child, or she would make she would make them, she would fix them, but I would never eat them because they were so like foreign to me. <laughs> um, and I hated them. I just thought they were gross and mushy, and I just didn't like greens. Um, but as I grew up now, man, I wish I had that recipe because I miss my grandma. Hmm. Next up, we got Noma. 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 His name is actually not Noma, sorry. He's just... <laughs> I have that in my notes. Noma guy. Uh, Noma guy, his name is... Well, no, we don't even know his name because don't, they don't tell us. Okay, so there's a guy that used to work at Noma which is probably the number one restaurant in the world. Uh, he worked there for eight and a half years. He's obviously Scandinavian. He looks, he's the most Scandinavian looking out of all of the chef testants. Um, but he doesn't really seem to have much TV presence. So I forgot about him and they never gave us his name in these first few minutes. Time for the quick fire. We get to draw knives, one, two, three, and then get in groups. So there has to be a one, a two, and a three in your group. Jackson, who is not the Noma guy, but looks like him is, is a chef owner of Jame Enoteca. I hate Enotecas. They were everywhere about a decade ago in New York City and San Francisco. They're like, it's basically a gl gl glamified, glorified wine bar. <laughs> you get some tapas, you get a couple of glasses of wine. Um, yeah, that's it. Then you got yourself an Enoteca. I hate them. Uh, he goes on to say that he got COVID and he lost his sense of smell and taste, but isn't going to tell anyone. God, does that make me a dick? He asks. Uh, dude, yes, it totally makes you a dick. It's a team cooking challenge, you punk. 
he also on first impression looks like a guy who doesn't know how to season food, so it doesn't surprise me that he lost his sense of taste or smell. They've got 30 minutes to cook one cohesive dish. Each team member will only have 10 minutes to contribute to the dish before the next team member takes their place. And you will not be able to communicate to your teammates. So this first quick fire means no talking. Wow. The name Joe Chan, I think, flashes on my uh, closed captioning. But I have no idea who this is because I don't hear any words. I just think I see the words uh, Joe Chan on the screen. It's like J-O, like Joanne. So I think she's a woman. Every chef on the winning team gets immunity. And I noticed that Noma guy has a head tattoo, like under his fade. Chefs and tats, I mean, they just go hand in hand. Jay Jung is next. He is the chef owner of Kejun. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to laugh. Uh, in New York City, and she cooks Korean New Orleans food. Hmm. Nola was one of the last places I got to visit before the world changed in 2020. <laughs> it was, um, we were there for my husband's birthday in November 2019, and it was my first time in New Orleans, and I absolutely loved it. I loved it. I had the best time in New Orleans. Um, this Jay Jung looks very conservative to me, though, or much more refined than I had imagined. I had heard of Kei Jun, and my first impression was like this young, cool, hip, like millennial type woman, but that's not what she is. So I'm interested to see what uh, Chef Jay will come up with. I'm not a huge fan of Asian fusion. I am like a hardcore Korean traditionalist when it comes to food. I hate Korean tacos. Do not give me a kimchi burrito. No, I am not having it. Um, I'm a purist when it comes to food for my homeland. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Ashley has the right idea. Um, Ashley is going to be a blank canvas, and she's going to cook a simple chicken, cabbage, and rice that they can build up on. So I think she has the right idea. And then I notice that someone has some frozen scallops, and I scream. I scream. Who wants to eat some frozen scallops in half an hour? I also only noticed them because I looked up for my notes. I took a lot of notes for this <laughs> first episode. Uh, I don't know why. I have like 11 pages of notes. It's, uh, yeah. I think it's the chef from North Dakota. Um, but it's not. It's Sarah, I guess. And she's from Detroit, Michigan. I love Detroit. Uh, I spent my fifth grade year in Detroit and... I love Detroit. It's I wish I, could, I should go back. I I need like a little weekend trip away. Uh, anyway, so she's the executive chef of Marrow and Partner, Marrow and Partner, and this other place called Mink. Because I don't think it's called Marrow and Partner and Mink. <laughs> I don't think I'd eat at some place called Mink. No thanks. I probably wouldn't eat some place called Marrow and Partner. It sounds like a paint company, or like an advertising agency, or. Like San Francisco or lots of places I feel on the West Coast do this where it's like you just put one noun with like another noun, connect it with the word and and bam, then you have your uh, restaurant. Like there's this place called Juniper and Ivy on the West Coast, um, Anchor and Hope, uh, you know, like just those two word combinations that are just stupid. Damar is on the green team and he's prepping steak creamed corn oh my god i wrote cremated corn <laughs> uh, cremated corn and tomato salad yum i actually wrote in my notes i haven't had a proper steak in over a year my husband doesn't eat a lot of red meat um so i don't eat a lot of red meat anymore but 
man, I should, like, this steak really got me salivating for some steak. Okay, next is Leah. Leah... Jachone, Jackione, maybe? She's the chef owner of South and Pine. Oh, look. Another one of those weird combinations of two words that have no relation to each other. South and Pine. Oh, no, sorry. South plus Pine, maybe? Because she doesn't even do the ampersand. She does, like, the plus sign. So I'm just going to call it South plus Pine Eatery. And that's in Morristown, New Jersey. Oh, you're from New Jersey? Wow. Uh, she looks to me like Lisa. Lisa D'Amato, I think, from America's Next Top Model, don't you think? Uh, Lisa was that one that was in, I think she did a photo shoot in a diaper once, and then she peed her diaper. She peed in her diaper. Ooh. Uh, she's also the one that won All Stars because Angelia, Angelia, Angelica, and the winner, the, the first winner of All Stars was like decrowned because her like sex worker past came up. Whatever, I'm all for a sex worker. I love sex workers on TV. Um, allegedly. Oh, she also looks like um, this Leah, Leah girl, who spells her name Leia, like Princess Leia, uh, also looks like she could be a friend of the Gorgas or the Judiches. She's trying hard to set up her team for a Vietnamese direction. Hmm, that's troublesome, I feel, because you cannot communicate that to your team. First up for the yellow team is Joe, and she's doing steak with salsa verde, and I should probably check everyone's pronouns before I misgender someone, but until someone brings it up on the show, I'm going to use what I think the chef testants prefer. Her name title pops up again, and this is Joe Chan. She's from Austin, Texas, and is the executive chef, um, but there's no restaurant given, so I don't know where she works. She may be out of work. She has short hair like Kristen. Um, and Melissa, uh, and she's Asian as well. That might work against her, I feel. Did Leah just blow out the flame on her saute pan with a deep breath during these COVID times? I haven't blown out a candle, attended a large birthday party in over two years, uh, so watching her do that was like maximum cringe. I know they're all taking precautions, yes, I'm not stupid, but Lord, if I saw that happen in a restaurant, I'd be like, uh, you can take this entree back. <laughs> I don't want to eat this. Don't blow on food. <laughs> Just don't. So now it's time for the number ones to swap out with the number twos. And the number twos are like really hustling. I realize that the competitors can talk to each other, but the teammates can't talk amongst themselves, which is kind of shitty because we haven't even met all 15 contestants yet. So it's weird watching people that have cooked their portion be able to talk to each other but not talk to their teammates. Robert and Evelyn bond over both being a Mexican Salvadorian. Robert Hernandez, we meet. He is a private chef from San Francisco, and he last worked last worked in a kitchen in October 2019. He looks like he looks like the guys I would see all the time at like Daddy's on uh, in the Castro or 440 Castro, uh, two of my favorite bars. Um, that's a very niche statement, I guess. You have to really know <laughs> San Francisco to get that. Um, he looks like the type of guy that you would never see at El Rio or the Stud, though, if that makes any sense. Next up is Monique. Fabes, Fabesi, maybe. Uh, she's the chef owner of Tarts de Finesse. That's a typo. 
I'm pretty sure her restaurant is her last name. So it's Tart Tarts de Febes. Yeah, that's in Vallejo, California, which is in the Bay Area. And if I'm not mistaken, Vallejo might have gone bankrupt a few years ago. This was a huge, not a huge scandal, but this was kind of scandalous back in when I was living in San Francisco because I think my roommate was like had a fling with the gay mayor of Vallejo, and that was that was more mess. Um, it's a city in the Bay Area. The mayor, I'm pretty sure, was like crooked, uh, embezzling money or like taking funds from the city, and I think he's in jail now or prison, whatever. Um, but one thing about Monique is she looks like a friend of mine. She looks like one of my really good friends, so she's my favorite so far. And I'm not sure if she's just a pastry chef or does she do savory too? I'd have to find out. Um, she thinks Joe set her up for a T-bone steak and chimichurri, she says. So Sam is next up. He gets the spotlight. He is a curly-haired Korean guy and uh, Luke is the Noma guy. But he's no longer at Noma and now lives in Seattle. And no restaurant is listed, so I don't think he is a contender. And he looks so much like a Luke. Like, <laughs> he looks like a Luke. Sam is extraordinarily calm and patient, unlike the rest of the number twos. And <laughs> he says to the camera, in one of the funniest things ever said on television, you can taste crazy in food. He's right. He's totally right. You can taste crazy in food. So he's taking it very methodically. Methodical? He's going very slow. He's patient. He's not going to rush this. So we've got 12 minutes in, and it's the first commercial break, and I'm only on page four of my notes. Let's go through this super fast. Suffering succotash. Roberts dropped his succotash on the floor, and according to my closed captions, there is a Buddha. But I'm not sure who he is, and I assume it's a he, because they never show him or her. Um, but I assume he's the other Asian guy? Jackson, the unseasoned food guy, can't find Robert's protein, and that's not a sex joke at all. So he starts making roasted eggplant, which seems like a sex joke, but still isn't. So this team went from frozen scallops, corn, peppers, and romesco sauce to grilled pork, corn succotash, and romesco sauce. And now in round three, it's now roasted eggplant, and romesco sauce. And I hate these blue tiles in this Top Chef kitchen. They remind me of a do-it-yourself uh, DIY kitchen renovation video that I've been watching a lot of kitchen renovation regret videos on YouTube these days, usually hosted by someone named Chelsea or Karen or Claire or uh, Michaela. Um, I love these blue tiles, so I had to have them in my farmhouse, modern, traditional, open concept kitchen. Sorry, <laughs> I can't believe I did that. Uh, I also hate typos, and I could not not notice that coriander was misspelled incorrectly on the screen. They added a second R. Yo, um, Bravo or Magical Elves Production, if you need a proofreader, I'm available, extremely available. Uh, I turned down a job offer. I got a job offer on Monday this week, last week. Uh, I sat on it for like two, three days. Um, and I was relieved to turn them down. <laughs> I don't think I've honestly ever said no to anything. That like people ask me a question, I'm always like, yes, yes, sure. Um, 
but to like to really like sit and dwell and reflect on like why I'm saying no to this job that like the salary just wasn't right. Um, it was like refreshing and I felt good. It was, yeah. I was also waiting a very long time for Susan Miller's monthly horoscope to guide me into making my decision. But uh, apparently I just learned this morning that Susan Miller monthly is posted today. Um, today's the sixth, I think. Yeah. Um, I hope I made the right choice. <laughs> anyway. And indeed, Buddha Low is the other Asian guy. He sounds like he's from down under. Uh, he's probably Australian. He's the executive chef of Marquis Caviar and Huso. I have never heard of Marquis Caviar or Huso. Uh, he lives in Brooklyn, New York. Wait, that's where I live. <laughs> I've never heard of this guy. I checked. Uh, Huso is on Madison Avenue. Yeah, so I'm probably never going to dine there. It's on Madison Avenue all the way uptown, like on 81st Street, like on the Upper East Side. Who's going up there? I'm not a restaurant insider, but I do enjoy a good time and food, so I'll do some more investigating, I guess. But um, yeah, I'm not going there <laughs> ever. Nick Wallace is up next. He's the chef owner of Nick Wallace Culinary. He's from Jackson. M I crooked letter, crooked letter I, crooked letter, crooked letter I, humpback, humpback I, Mississippi. He is, um, he wants to do something bold because he's from Mississippi. So I'm excited to see what he's doing. And he's doing shallots and Brussels sprouts. Man, what a letdown. Um, I wanted like grits or a biscuit or like, you can't do a biscuit I guess in 10 minutes um something different something cool more than just like a vegetable side wow Luke managed to get no food on his plate none I've never seen this in a quick fire oh well at least like in the first episode I don't think I don't think he's a ringer I don't think he's a plant I don't think he's gonna go far at all he just I think the time pressure is going to like get on him and he's now he's he could be super talented but has no time management skills how ironic that don barella is here <laughs> okay so the brown team we've got jackson robert sarah they've done the coal roasted eggplant macadamia romesco and serrano creme fraiche hold on now so jackson admits that he saw robert grilling the pork component but he couldn't find it anywhere so he roasted an eggplant instead? Yo, Jackson, you got to look harder, bro. Sure, it's like hidden under the grill, but this seems like a huge fuck up. You got to pay more attention, dude. The red team, we've got Stephanie, Jay, and Leah. <laughs> Not Leah. They've done an Asian spice pork chop, grilled corn salad, tomato puree with fish sauce. Dawn knows that there was no oil in this marinade, and I love how she innocently asked, and the chef testants have to cop to, oops, we didn't add any oil. Yeah, she knows. <laughs> that pork chop looked dry, that pork chop looked thin, that pork chop needed something. The green team is Nick, Evelyn, and Damar, and they've done a seared New York strip steak with creamed corn and charred Brussels sprouts. This team gets no comments whatsoever. I don't think I've ever seen this happen on Top Chef. But also that steak looked raw. 
to me. Yellow team is made up of... Okay, I went back and forth on this because this is what's typed in my notes. And I don't... I feel so conflicted on this. The yellow team is made up of... I think I can say this. Yellow people. We've got Monique, Buddha, and Joe. They've done a Thai barbecue salad. I'm sorry, a Thai barbecue beef with salsa verde salad, charred scallions, and fish sauce butter. Now... I refer to myself as yellow. I sometimes refer to myself as brown because I am both of those things as a Korean black American man. But, and all of my other yellow friends refer to ourselves as yellow. All of my other brown friends refer to ourselves as brown. But if a Caucasian person had said the yellow team is made up of yellow people, I feel that, I know rather, I would be all up in my feelings and like butthurt. So, let me ask you this. Is it weird for me to refer to this team as the yellow team made up of yellow people? Because if it was the brown team made up of brown people, does that have the same sort of, like, insensitive racial, like, uh, prejudice? It's not a prejudice. I guess it is a prejudice. It's not even discrimination. It's just lumping them into a category, right? Hmm. Like... If there was a white team made up of white people, would I feel bad saying that white team is made up of white people? I don't know. It's just something I've been thinking about, like, since I typed up my notes two days ago. Is it, like, how how do I feel about saying it? And how do I feel about someone else saying the exact same thing that I would say? Like, does that make what I'm saying problematic and I shouldn't be saying it? Huh. Sorry, that went like way too far. Um, but let like let me know what you think because I'm I'm super curious as to is it problematic for me to refer to these yellow people as yellow? <laughs> like it almost gets to that Salt Lake City like bound like, area of like okay, Mary Cosby called Jenny yellow or like her yellow hue, yellow tint, yellow. yellow I don't I don't ah. Anyway, let's let's continue cuz this this needs to end soon. It doesn't matter because the yellow team wins. I mean, I guess it does matter. But at the end, the yellow team wins. So, um that's the end of the first quick fire and now we get Kristen Kish Top Chef Seattle winner and some dude come in. Some redacted dude So Redacted Dude had some problematic things he said in an interview, and I don't want to devote much time to him, but I will be making a lot of fun of his outfits and accessories and boots. Oh my god, if Wardrobe makes him wear cowboy boots in Houston, I'm going to die of happiness. Die from happiness. Remember his penchant for wearing capes, fedoras, beanies, and uh, Pacific Northwest motifs last season? What a great season with a shitty ending. So it's Sam Kang. He finally gets his title card. He's chef. He's chef at Chef Made, and he's from Brooklyn. And we get the elimination challenge. The chefs must work in teams to create a cohesive menu featuring primal cuts of beef. Primal cuts? Just say prime cuts. So it's a butchery challenge, and they've got $600 uh, to spend at Whole Foods. 
The yellow team picks ribs. They allow the blue team to pick next, which is super nice because the blue team got no food on the plates for the quick fire. They decide to pick loin. Sam drops that he worked at Momofuku Weo, a beef restaurant, a beef heavy restaurant in the Momofuku Empire. They select the brown team next. They choose Chuck. And I think it's Sarah that mentions that she owns a butcher shop. She then uh, lets the green team go and they have sirloin, leaving the red team with the round. The blue team does a peppercorn tasting menu. The Oh, you know what? I actually have no notes for this part. Uh, the blue team does the peppercorn tasting menu. The brown team does something. The yellow team, <laughs> Monique, my bestie, <laughs> wants to do a beef tartare with cured egg yolk. Um, I don't like beef tartare. I'm much more into like a tuna or salmon tartare. But yeah, uh, it looks good, I guess. And then uh, Buddha wants to do a dessert called Spotted Dick. Insert your own joke here. Robert used to work at Octavia in San Francisco, and that opened, I think, in 2015. That was the year I moved back to New York City. But I think it used to be called... Oh, man, what was it called? It's... It was like in my old neighborhood. Um, It's on the corner of Octavia and Bush. It was super fancy. It was like someone's name, not Francis. It was the same owner, Francis, in the Castro, which I used to love. Uh, what was it called? Oh, I forget. I forget. Mm. Anyway, I got distracted during the Whole Foods market shop, but it looks like Leah is sick or has COVID or under the weather or drank the nasty Texas water or I don't trust anyone wearing leopard print leggings on television. Sure, run an errand, go to yoga, but don't wear these for broadcast television. I'd be horrified if I was caught on TV in leggings. Ashley says that most teams will probably do a raw beef course, so my shito will make my dish stand out. Shito, she says, is a pepper sauce from Ghana that's blended with dried seafood and aromatics. That sounds quite good. She asks Sam to taste this for her, and I'm reminded that Jackson still has not told his team he can't taste or smell food. Jay says that her parents are very, very proud of her for making it to Top Chef. And I wonder if her Korean parents said that to her specifically, like in those words, I am proud of you. Because most Korean parents I know wouldn't say that to their child. I'm pretty sure my Korean mom has told me twice she was proud of me. Once for getting into the math and science high school my mom wanted me to get into, and the other time for graduating from college, even though my mother was embarrassed by my choice of college. I went to NYU, but my mom tells her friends I went to a lesser prestige Ivy in upstate New York. I didn't even want to go to Cornell. So starting last year, I noticed the looks the judges are wearing, and this year is no different. Padma is ready for the club. Gail is dressed like for a romantic date night out. And there are way too many guest judges on this to like go through, so I'm not going to name any of them. All I can say is I can tell that when the judges or guest judges mention Joe, I'm going to like scan my brain for like, who's Joe? Because to me, when I hear the word Joe, I think of a male chef. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to have to remember that Joe is spelled J-O, no E, and that it's Joe Chan. Is there wine in here? Monique asks as the chef testants enter the waiting room before judging. 
uh, girl, same. Padma announces the brown team as the winner of the challenge, and I just need to vent. That is the worst shade of brown I have ever seen on TV. Uh, I've seen on TV, in magazines, in clothing lately. It's not a rich chocolate brown. It's it's like it's diarrhea doo-doo brown, and I don't know why so many young people, old people, middle-aged people like it. I don't think it's a good color to wear. Um, Padma doesn't look good here in it, and she looks good in almost everything. It's, I don't know, it, it, it's horrible. Make it stop. Let's find better colors to wear on TV. Tom is in, redacted, is in a boring basic suit. Gail is still dressed for a date night out. Uh, Tom, Padma's Tom looks like it's suede. It's like a halter dress, maybe. Kristen Kish looks amazing in a white pantsuit. I think her, it's like a floral print blouse or like a zebra print blouse, and it's really pretty. Uh, and Robert, Chef Testament Robert, wins with his pot roast and gnocchi. The bottom chefs are Stephanie, Jay, and Leah, not Leia. Uh, obviously, Stephanie doesn't use Asian flavors and was at an advantage. Jay couldn't execute her dish to her standards. And Leah's spring roll was an overstuffed burrito. I hate an overstuffed roll. It's messy. It falls apart. Like, it's just not cool. Uh, and Leah is told to pack your knives and go. Unsurprising. In terms of first impressions, no one really, really stands out yet. We still have way too many chefs. Um, I was surprised by the utter failure of Luke from Noma. Um, but, you know, time management is essential here. <laughs> so I'm excited for the rest of this season. I'm excited to see what Padma's wearing. And I'll be back next week with episode two of Top Chef. Problematics, thanks for listening. Check me out on Instagram. I can be found at problematicpod problematic pod and leave me a five-star review on apple podcasts check you next time thanks for listening